Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon taxes, well, all of them, we're going to ring in the new year together right here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, but really it is all the readings. Maybe seated. Preach through every one of these texts. Amazing. In the name of Jesus, waiting for Jesus isn't really our cup of tea because so often we think the Lord is working too slowly for you and for me. We don't like waiting. I've joked with some members here at GLC that when I end the sermon, come soon, Lord Jesus, what I'm really thinking is, come now, Lord Jesus, like last week would have been better. Waiting isn't really our thing. Even though the scriptures are loaded with verses with that W word. Oh, yeah. Waiting. Ooh, it's like a naughty word for us. It really is. Here's just a couple of them. First, a fave of mine that I use at the bedside of our members before they go into surgery. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Another from Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Now the word watchman, I don't know if it really came up in your, uh, in your conversation today. It's not really a word we use in our everyday conversations. And it's not like there's a, a bunch of kids over at Delta College training to be watchmen. So here in Psalm 130, when I run across this word watchman, I think of our dog when I was a little kid. A dog named Max. And that dog was able to wait forever for a treat. Oh yeah, we'd put the treat in front of Max. And he would not gobble down that treat until we said, okay, okay. And we, and we tested this dog. We'd put the treat in front of him, leave the room, come back like 15 minutes later. No treat missing. That treat right before the dog, just waiting for us to say, okay, okay, okay. That dog, Max, puts this guy to shame. <laughs> Woo. Waiting isn't really our thing. We're not very good at it. I mean, when it comes right down to it, it's a rare art these days. Waiting for a green light, waiting to graduate, waiting for a spouse, waiting for test results, waiting for retirement, waiting for the sermon to get done, waiting, <laughs> waiting for the next season of you fill in the blank on Netflix, waiting for a child to come back to the faith, waiting for a dream to come true, waiting for our hopes to be fulfilled, waiting for that day when we feel better. Come on, Lord, what, what's taking you so long? Don't you love me? Where are you, Lord? Why are you so slow? What are you even doing? Where, where are you taking me? When will this all end? It's so easy for us to think that God is a, he's on vacation. 
And that's all on me. All on the person I see in the mirror. I gotta do something, right? Because, well, God isn't. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I just, you know, hop in the driver's seat, take the wheel. Master of my own destiny. But taking matters into our own hands, though, we so easily find ourselves surrounded by worry and woe. And that is where the devil wants us to go. Look at the OT Old Testament reading for this evening. The southern kingdom of Judah, they, uh, they get promise after promise from the prophet Isaiah to just, you know, trust the Lord and be saved from all of their enemies. But what did Judah do? Hmm? Isaiah 30, verse 9. For they are a rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. They take God's promise and they run it through the, burr, the shredder. They take God's promise and put it on the burn bow. What do they do instead? They, they form an alliance with next door neighbor Egypt. Yeah, that's what they do. Alliance, not reliance. Yeah, that's their modus operandi. That is how they roll. It's how they work. It's all about alliance, not reliance. Now, they knew better. The southern kingdom of Judah knew better. I mean, the Lord told them straight up from the mouth of the prophet Isaiah that all they had to do was, was nothing. Just be a do-nothing-er, and I will save you. And I will save you. But the Lord wasn't fast enough for the southern kingdom of Judah. God, just being that slow poke, not fast enough. And so they saw their quick fix, and that was, you know, put, put their chips on Egypt. Egypt? Really? Uh, like the nation that enslaved you guys for like 400 plus years? <laughs> Moses, anyone? The Exodus? How easily we forget. They look to Egypt as the nation that could solve all their problems, but it only made more problems for them. Alliance, not reliance, costs them absolutely everything, as we hear in the OT reading. Isaiah 30, verses 15 through 17. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. In other words, do nothing and I'll do everything. But you were unwilling. And you said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore, therefore you shall flee away. And we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuer shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee till you are left, like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. By sprinting ahead of God and going solo, they find themselves surrounded by nothing but worry and woe. Dear friends, dear friends, let's, let's, let's you know, be real here. How, how, how often... Do we 
sprint ahead of our God because we are just as short-sighted as the southern kingdom of Judah. I mean, we think we know what we want, and, you know, we just go for it. Yeah, we just, we go for it. I mean, why wait? I'm not good at waiting, so why, so why wait? Plus, you know, instant gratification, baby. Yeah, that is the name of the game. So American, right? Instant gratification. But if we play that game, we reduce people to objects. Just, you know, means to an end. Stepping stones in our hunt for approval, security, and control. If we want to live that sort of life where we just, you know, run ahead of God because we think we know what we need better than he does, it's going to wind up, for you and me, surrounded by worry and worry. Kiss approval, security, and control. Bye-bye. Toodles. So long. Sayonara. We're just building our house on the beach, and it just takes one wave. Gone. Gone. A person's negative comment. And our egos get a huge dent. sole piece of bad news from the doctor. And all security. Lost. A pink slip from the company. And it's clear having control was never a possibility. Dear friends, it's easy for us to get disappointed in our God when he doesn't come through in the way that we want him to. So easy. He doesn't meet our expectations, so, so we, get, we get angry with him. And that's where, you know, the devil, he wants us to go there. To be so disappointed in our God, thinking that he's abandoned us, that he has forgotten us, that he has gone on this vacation and will never, ever, no, not ever, return. Oh, sure, you know, I ran ahead of God, but, you know, he's like Usain Bolt, right? He's like the fastest guy ever in the cosmos. He, he should have caught up to me and surpassed me and, and taken control before I drove my life into the ditch. But he didn't show up. Left me to fend for myself. Totally gave up on me, so I'm going to give up on him. You wait one second. Let's not give the devil such pleasure and make waiting on our Lord Jesus Christ our number one endeavor, for he has the best approval, security, and control ever. See, our God is completely and totally for us. He is on our side. Always. He wants only what's best for you and for me, and that's what Pastor Paul tells us in our epistle reading. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, when God doesn't meet our expectations, when our plans fall apart, when, when things just, you know, hit the fan, 
It's easy for us to feel abandoned, like we're all alone. It's me versus the world. It's never that, though. That's so wrong-headed. God the Father gave his son, Jesus, into death. The death we deserve to die. The death that deals with, deals with every one of our sins. The death that releases us, redeems us, rescues us. So that now nothing, no one is actually against us. Oh yes, we will face headaches and heartaches in 2023. But none of those can down us eternally. We have God's full backing. Approval, his approval, like, like, like no other. Thumbs up always. And that's what Pastor Paul tells us in verses 33 and 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Whenever you are criticized, judged, insulted, those words can't stick. Those words are swallowed up by another word, and that word is forgiven, 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 forgiven. And that word forgiven is spoken by God the Father, the one who is seated on the throne higher than anything or anyone. His throne can't be topped or toppled. And next to him, He's not alone, you know, on that throne. Next to him is a beating heart. One who shares in our flesh and blood. One who is now our brother. Jesus the Christ, plopped down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he's up there, not twiddling his thumbs, not, you know, knitting, not, you know, watching some episode that he likes from his favorite show. He's up there going to bat for you and for me. Right now, he's putting in a good word for you. What approval. When we uh, fail and flop, and, and we do a lot of that, I'll admit that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good at failing and flopping. When we fail and flop, his love, though, will never fail and flop. His love has a grip on your life and mine that can't slip. A grip that will never slip. Now, you know, State Farm may drop you, your insurance company may drop you, okay? But uh, your Savior will never, ever drop you. What security we have. The best insurance in the cosmos, as Pastor Paul says, verses 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword... As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, we don't go into 2023 expecting no trouble. Does anyone here expect no trouble? We'll have a conversation after the service if you raise your hand. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we know Jesus ain't no talisman. No lucky charm that, you know, wards off the pain and the problems and the pressures of this life. We're real. We know there will be temptations in 2023 to despair. 
It gets tough for us. And we will, we will be tempted to despair. But remember in those moments, God's love. That is Pastor Paul's encouragement for all of us as we go into 2023. Look at the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. It is a love that goes the distance. A suffering love. A bleeding love. A crucified love. A buried love. A risen love. An ascended love. A forever love. Jesus will love us to the end. To the end of our divisions. To the end of our disappointments. To the end of our depression. To the end of our darkness. To the end of our diseases. To the end of death itself, loving us into the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Hallelujah. Now that is security. Now we know where it's all going. We get that. We kind of wish we knew the details. At least I do. <laughs> With every moment in life, you know, like, what is God up to? Well, he knows what he's up to. He's not just a keen observer. He's the hands-on God. That's who he is. He is not just the mover and shaker of world history. He is the mover and shaker of your life and mine. He is the master of our destinies. Totally in control. Using absolutely everything in this life to serve his love for you and for me. A love that wants only what's best for us. A love that works all things, all things, all things for our well-being. A love that is slowly but surely transforming each of us into the individuals he created us to be. A love that uses all of our experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly. To bring to completion what he has begun in us. I really want you to, to walk away understanding this, understanding this. There is nothing in your life that's a waste. Nothing. Our God is using absolutely everything in our lives for our everlasting well-being. That's what Pastor Paul is getting at in verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What control our Lord has on the days of our lives. So we can just you know, let go and let God. Dear friends, here in our Lord's hand is the guarantee that he will fulfill his purposes for you and for me, which are way better than we could ever pull off. You'll see. So let's wait and be. And we don't just wait anywhere. We wait where our Lord waits on us. You heard the gospel reading. One of the biggest surprises in the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, is that we have a God who actually stoops down to serve us. That's amazing. You, you, you heard Jesus in verse 37. 
Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself. This is God. Dress himself for service and have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. Will Joe Biden serve the groundkeeper at the White House? Will King Charles serve those funny-looking guards outside of Buckingham Palace? Uh, fat chance, right? Uh, we have better odds with the Lions winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> Way better odds. At the end of time, when the clock strikes last day, we will be welcomed by the king to his feast. He's going to sit you down personally at a chair with your name on it, and he will serve you. He will serve me. He will slice the meat. He will dish out the appetizers. He will pour the wine. Our God is going to spend eternity waiting on us. Waiting on us. And here in this meal, we get a taste of eternity. We get to breathe the sweet air of resurrection, the new creation, as we gobble down the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. This meal, dear friends, is so satisfying. This meal is enough. This meal assures us that it's all going to work out for us in the end. Better than we could ever imagine, hope for, deserve. So on the cusp of a brand spanking new year, let's uh, lift our glasses here and toast our God, who does all things well, especially when we can't see it yet. But we will. You will. You'll get to see what God was doing in every part of your life. Just wait and be. And you can wait. You can wait. You can wait. With the Lord waiting on us here at his supper, we can resolve this year and every year to wait for Jesus to come and make everything just the best ever. Will you wait with me? Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.